0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the In the Fields podcast. I'm Mother Caitlin Darnell. I'm one of the priests here at St. Martin's.
1: My name is Mitch Smith. I'm the rector here at St. Martin's, and we have a really exciting guest for you all today. The presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, the right reverend Michael Curry, has agreed to join with us and and, and is here. Um, I'm amazed.
2: Welcome. It's great to be with
1: you. <laughs> So, Bishop Curry, I have a, a couple of things just to say thank you for right off the bat. The first is, is thank you for agreeing to to do this podcast. Um, one of the remarkable things that I've noticed in, in the Episcopal Church is how accessible bishops are. You just have to ask the right questions and, and, and be polite. Yeah, yeah, just and get to the person who controls the calendar. That's
2: all. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> but, but thank you for giving us your time. That, that's the first thank you. And then the second thank you is, I have an amazing associate rector that you I know. wrote the letter for that sent her to Yale Seminary. So that, I remember. Thanks you. I'm so proud of her. I don't know what to do. It's as I head toward
2: retirement. I say I did at least one good thing. Oh, <laughs> I okay. wrote that letter. <laughs>
0: Luckily, now, nobody can see me blush over the air. Uh, <laughs> thank you.
2: She, she's awesome. And and was however many years ago. However many years ago that was. Um,
0: it, it was a few wow. at this point.
2: Now, now you're a real blessing to the church. And uh, thank God for you. I'm right. glad the two of y'all have teamed up. And boy, just looking at you, even though the audience can't see you, but you're in the studio and
1: you keep doing this kind of work. Keep spreading the word. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, when I was a baby priest and just started out, I went from college to seminary and right into a parish. Mm-hmm. I remember um, I did this crazy project trying to raise money for clean water in the Sudan. Mm-hmm. And while I oh, was yeah. doing that that project, uh, Catherine Jeffers-Shores did an interview with Bill Moyer. Uh-huh. And one of the questions she was asked at the end of the interview was, where do you find hope in the Episcopal Church? And she said, a little church in Iowa trying to raise money for clean water projects in the Sudan.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh-huh.
1: And my, that changed the trajectory of my ministry. I really am convinced that that answer changed where I am now and, and, and just affected my whole ministry and, and certainly affected the outcome of that project. As you think about your retirement and getting closer to your retirement, um, do you have any memories like that or, or memories mm-hmm. of those sorts of moments? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and yes, there, there it, it's, it's
2: funny. That was her answer. It's, uh, I would have given a similar answer only it would, would be in Colorado, but, um, consistently the, those memories are communities of faith where people against the odds have claimed, you know, that him come labor on. One of the Mm -hmm. verses says, claim the high calling angels cannot share. Too young and old, the gospel gladness bear. Uh, Redeem the time. It's ours to swiftly fly. The night draws nigh. And churches, communities of faith where people gather around Jesus and dare, and actually dare in spite of the odds and in spite of what's going on around them, to actually claim the high calling and to serve in his name, to worship, to study, and to actually serve the world, to serve others beside themselves in his name. And I gotta tell you, I, it's all over there, all over the church. I mean, it's, it's just all over, you know, sometimes it's larger places, sometimes it's small. It, size has nothing to do with it. The size of the church or the number of people has nothing to do with it, but the size of the spirit has everything to do with it. And I've seen it, there's a little church in Colorado um, where the pandemic kind of threw them off um, their 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 priest had moved on, just sort of a normal transition, and then the pandemic hits, and they had a feeding ministry in their community, um, uh, you know, in small in the town where they were, um, and these folk, one, they their their worship had been cut off because of the pandemic. It was kind of when the lockdown was, you know, beginning to happen. They they didn't have a priest. So they couldn't have Eucharist because they couldn't do in-person worship for a while. Um, They had never done anything online before. Their soap kitchen was shut down, but that didn't mean people weren't hungry. These folk rallied and organized. I mean, and I'm not talking about more than 20, 25 people. I mean, this isn't a big church we're talking about. They rallied and organized. They figured, well, we could do morning prayer. So they kind of looked at the prayer book and figured out how to do that. You know, they were used to Eucharist, but they figured out how to do morning prayer. And they started doing that. you know, somebody figured out how they could do it um, remotely, uh, virtually. And they started doing that. And they said, if, if we can figure out how to get together to pray together, then we can figure out how to continue to serve together. And they figured out how to do it. And long and short of it, they said, okay, if people can't come where we are, we can go where they are. Um, anyway, they got some kind of bus or something. They retrofitted it, turned it into a food truck, and they started delivering. I mean, literally, this church that was feeding maybe, and, and my numbers are way off, but a small number of people are, have been serving thousands. That's wow. awesome. That's a real story. Now, I got to tell you, that's where you want to know where I see, oh, that's where I see the Holy Spirit. Um, and I, I know God is invisible, but you can see the works of God and the fruits of the Spirit. And that's when. And there are stories like that all over the church. Uh, And it's been going on for a while. But now coming out of this pandemic, realizing where people gather together and realize we can't just rely on the structures to help us do it. it. Jesus said, wherever two or three gather together in my name, there I am. He didn't say where are there two or three buildings he didn't say wherever there are two or three endowments he didn't say where there are ever two he said where there are, there are two or three of you guys there I will be in the midst of them and that's all you need to begin to work where and
1: when that happens
2: miracles happen that's incredible
1: well staying with with hope one of the things that we as we come out of this 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 pandemic as we come out of um Uh, we're starting to be able to gather again and worship. We've learned more about the health precautions that we need to take. Mm -hmm. We've learned how to live better with COVID. As we come out of that, um, one of the questions we've been wrestling with on this podcast is, why church?
2: Well, you know, for a number of reasons, but I think I've become part in part because of this experience. Um, of COVID, I'm very aware of one of the fundamental reasons for church. At its heart, remember, remember the word "ecclesia." Um, is a, a gathering. It is the assembly. Um, um, it is a community gathered. Um, and we gather. Um, a, around God on Word and Sacrament. We gather. Um, around the presence of Jesus Christ to worship God. Um, to be fed on word and sacrament, and then to go out and serve in his name. Um, but there, that gathering is important. Um, it is kind of like the Ash Wednesday, uh, the, the, the reading from, from, uh, where's the Joel, I think it's the reading from Joel, gather the elders, get the children, even the nursing children. I just love that passage. You kind of like see these mothers dragging nursing and dragging (laughs) these kids along. I mean, but that's the church. It is the gathered assembly. And during this pandemic, especially during the time when we rightly for health and safety of everyone, um, rightly, so it's the right thing to do. When we were separated from each other, it became interminable. The separation became interminable and I became very aware of our need to be together as human beings and human community. Um, you know, you know, that passage, the first negative word in the Bible, um, you know, you get Genesis and God, you know, creates and says it's good. And then he creates this and says it's good in Genesis one. And then he sees everything is made and said, it is very good. But the first negative word in the Bible comes in the next chapter, kind of in that second story of the creation and Eden and all that stuff. It is not good for the, it's not just man, it is not good for the human one to be alone. That's really what what that word Adama means. It doesn't mean just man, male, gender. It means the human one. It is not good for the human ones to be alone. We are made for community. I mean, I don't want to wax Trinitarian, but I really do believe that God is Trinity, that God is a community. This this is a
0: safe place for the Trinity. (laughs) It's okay. Oh, good. We can talk about that here. Thank (laughs) you, Caleb.
2: I have to be so careful in society. You just never know. (laughs) But if if God is community in persons, a a, a unity, um, community, one, just the miraculous. uh, If that is who God is and we are created in God's image, as Genesis 1 says, then there is something about us that is intrinsically communal. That is, we are made for community and relationship with God, each other, and indeed with all of creation. Well, you know, if if you think of it from that perspective, to be cut off from each other is life-defying. Even though we had to do it to save lives, we are now living with, the. we're having to wrestle with the results of that for our children, um, for increases of emotional and mental stress, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you know, folk are just going nuts on airplanes and stuff um, at, at borders. I mean, what's going on in Canada? I mean, I well, I probably shouldn't say this. I mean, you, you got it when, when there's craziness going on in Canada. Come on now. Uh, <laughs> a friend of mine says Canada is the designated driver of North America. You know what I mean? But when you see that kind of stuff going on in Ottawa and at the border of Canada, a lot of that is this pent up stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of it pre-existed, I know know it's complex. We're not meant to be separated from each other. We are meant to be in community and we can be each other's biggest headaches. I mean, I've been around long enough to know that too. But the truth is there is something healthy about community that only community can give. What is the church at its root? It is the gathering those who gather two or three in his name, in his presence. And so, at that root, church—the church represents that vision of human community that is necessary for human flourishing, because that's how God made us. And that's been a major learning for for me. Um, but I think for us as a society, and we're gonna be—we're gonna spend years um, trying to repair um, the the hurt um, that's that's resulted and we had no choice. You know what I mean? You got to make decisions. Um, but there's, we're going to have to work with our children, um, with us as adults and, and just kind of keep praying together and working together and learning how to be mindful and learning, um, every, every way of every spiritual technique and psychological technique that can help us find health and wholeness. Um, that helps to repair the pain that was necessary from being separated from each other.
0: We've been thinking a lot around here about like the community aspect of coming together as as a church. And there was a moment a few months ago when we looked around and said, okay, you know, we're holding pretty steady at about two thirds of the Sunday attendance that we once had um you know half half to two-thirds and i know that's the case for almost every church
2: that's about normal yeah i think that's yeah Mm.
0: and so we we kind of sat and talked about it and i was like okay you know well how do we how do we at least get back to like where we were you know and Mm -hmm. kind of got wrapped up in you know like well how do we get that third of people back like where are they and, and what are they doing and you know, why aren't they coming to church and why aren't they this and why aren't they that? And then we paused and went, you know, instead of begging folks to come back, this is a moment for us to grow God's kingdom and to build more community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So instead of going and chasing after the third of folks that, you know, aren't yet back in the pews for a whole variety of reasons, how how do we go find the other of God's children that could use a place like this and could be fed in a place like this. And so we very intentionally came up with like a whole evangelism plan that actually centers itself on big parties
1: because oh, big that's when yeah,
0: that's what our community really shines here.
1: Oh, really? Okay. Is it like yeah. a
0: big party, you know,
1: uh-huh. but this podcast doing also, yeah. also as part of that, but pivoting towards a place of power, what do we do well? Yeah, and the idea that what we concentrate on will grow. So if we concentrate yep. on the misery and pain in our community, then that will grow. If we yep. concentrate on the joy and love and gathering in our community, well that will grow too. Really focusing yep. on on where is the blessing that that we can seize in this moment and focus putting all of our staff focus, vestry focus, everything into that position of power and, and focusing wow. on those good things.
0: And just this last Sunday, um, someone met me in the receiving line was like, I've been away from church for a while, but I'm so glad to be back. And this was just wonderful. And I'm, I'm pumped up and I'm so well-fed and thank (laughs) you for re-inviting me. And I was like, Hey, very glad. So good to hear from you. I see a new family sneaking out the side door. I need you to go chase them down.
2: (laughs) Uh, Welcome. Greet them. welcome, Greet them. Well,
0: some of those folks who are starting to come back from this, this posture of like, Hey, we're a, wonderful community, and we want to celebrate that, um, are coming back. And the church is looking very different, too. They're looking around, and there's a lot of folks they don't know because they haven't gotten to meet them in two years.
2: Sure, sure. No, I think you build on, you know, I mean, you wonder why there's all these stories in the New Testament where Jesus, he's had a lot of parties. I mean, you know, (laughs) weddings, you you think about it, you know, and the story of the, the, the woman who washed his feet or anointed his feet and all together. That was a dinner party. I mean, there are all these, and then you think of the parables that he tells; they're about parties. Now, what I think's going on is thats where human beings gather. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: So, where do human beings gather? Go there, and build from there. You—I think your instincts build on what, whatever it is you do, whatever it is that is in the DNA that that resonates with folks. Go there. Absolutely,
1: I think you're brilliant. I think it's brilliant. Well, thank you. Um, now, you're not just on here to talk about St. Martin's. We have something really special coming up in the Diocese of Upper South Carolina.
2: Well, I now tell we... me, what is that? I don't, R- <laughs> I don't know. I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. I don't know. Some random person. Wanted, I guess we voted on him. He's going to become bishop. Uh, I believe uh, uh, he's got a biblical name. There's a bu- He's got a biblical name. Um, Daniel. Uh, yes. Is that right? Did I hit that one <laughs> Daniel. Yeah. So
0: long as we're not the den of lions, then.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is true. (laughs) So, as you look from a a, a denominational perspective and look, sort of seeing the church, the diocese of Upper South Carolina is not very big, Um, Mm. but we are—we're a strong community. It's a place that I dearly love. Um, I was yeah. wondering what are the challenges you see for for um Bishop elect Richards, um, but also for for dioceses like ours, where and you know, we're not a Houston, we're not a we're mm. not a Dallas and those sorts of places. Oh yeah. Yeah. But what where do you see opportunity and where do you see um potential for growth? Well,
2: you know, I mean, when, without knowing intimately, um, I, I can tell you, I mean, the diocese of Upper South Carolina is a healthy diocese. Um, um, you, you've had good, uh, good leadership, um, for generations. Um, and, 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 the the church has, um, I don't know what the growth patterns, um, are in, in your part of South Carolina, but, but the church has been a healthy force, um, in the community in a variety of ways. So, so you're building on good, solid foundations. Um, I, I I was I was with Bishop Aleg Daniel last week um at at uh, B- at Baby Bishop School, otherwise known as College for Bishops. That's the more sophisticated name, but everybody jokingly calls it Baby Bishop School. But I was with him last um uh, last week there. and one of the things that he said was that he's really committed to the hard pastoral work of the church wow. um and that um and sees his role as being a pastor to the community. To the clergy laity of the diocese, so that they become a pastoral presence. And by pastoral presence, I mean this is me talking. Now, I don't mean a benign uh, presence. One of the best sermons I heard on the Good Shepherd was by Desmond Tutu years ago. I don't remember where well where we were, but but it was here in the states. And and he and he talked about um, the Good Shepherd is the one who walks into the hardship of South Africa in the midst of apartheid and 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 works to right wrongs and bind up old wounds and help to bring the kind of healing that can move a community forward even through terrible trauma that's the good shepherd this isn't just a sweet little image this is in fact the the, the word he used was the good shepherd is a a scruffy thing um he, he's dirty because he's got a, what care a good for word! Yeah, I mean, you know, you can almost hear Tutu saying it. It was just—I I mean, I haven't heard that sermon was probably twenty years ago. I can't even remember where we. I, mean, I think it was an ordination or a consecration, but anyway, it was—it was many years ago. Anyway, I think that's the image—a pastoral presence in the community. Um, Is like I said, isn't just a benign receiving presence. It is an active presence that is seeking through its pastoral work in community to help communities figure out how do we end the nightmares we often find ourselves stuck in and actually realize something of God's dream and vision um, for us as a community and for us as a world. And that means little churches make sure there's clean in the United States make sure there's clean water for little communities in the Sudan or in South Sudan. That means, if you say it again, that, that means um, um, if there's need in the community, rallying churches and synagogues and mosques, religious communities of faith that come together and people of goodwill uh, to help to address real needs, human needs. Um, that That means finding ways to bring us together across all of our differences. We don't need to accentuate the differences they exist, but finding ways to bring human beings together across difference. And you and Upper South Carolina have done good, hard work. I know Andrew, that, that that was a lot of what Andrew did for many years. Um you've done that. Well how does that extend into the community? Um you know our nation is in we are we're we're in we are in tough times. Um and and we have got to find a way to live together um we have got to find and we can well how can the church help to foster that and anyway, i say all of that that's that you got some big stuff ahead of you uh that in and in, in some respects are not unique to south carolina um there are givens um here in america and then coming out of the pandemic as we've already talked what is the residual and we're not out of it but what is the residual that that has to be attended to spiritually um I just I, I I the 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 challenge is enormous and yet our capacity I used to tell people when I was a parish priest we can't do everything but we can do something do your something for God and it will make a difference That's good
0: I was going to say, that'll preach.
2: (laughs) Go ahead and steal it. And, you know, I'm sure I stole it from somebody. I just don't remember who it was now.
1: (laughs) As you look at, I mean, you have so many stories from really a lifetime of service in the church. Um, How has the Episcopate changed? The Episcopate? Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. Oh, that's a good question. I've never been asked that before. Um. Well, I've been a bishop since 2000, so that's 20 plus years. Um. Well, th- this is my bias. I mean, obviously, an, an answer I give is going to be my bias anyway. I suppose, but I I think. I think the role of what well, there are um you know a bishop you know you you'll hear in the liturgy for the ordination of bishop um guardian of the, of the guardian of the church's faith um and discipline and and that's very much part of our role and certainly um uh bishop elect daniel will that will spend a lot of time doing that but what my guess is he will find as time goes on he will discover and you will discover why you all called and elected him um and while you he and you have intimations of what that is now, as time goes on, you will discover what that call was really about, what the depth of it was. Um, and and will claim that. Um I I think in generations before that was defined more clearly by the church and Fairly expect and I shouldn't say that. I think in generation I think in this time and in the time when you know I'll be retired, but but Bishop elect Daniel and you all will be caring forth. You're going to go where the church has not gone in recent memory and have to do it without the institutional support structures that once supported the church in another era that will exist in some ways, but we'll have to do it without it. I think the the churches like yours are going to be churches composed, like say y'all are St. Martin's, right? I'm, I'm mm-hmm. I, you know, yeah. I, I hope I had the right church. Yeah. It's always one of my worst fears as a new bishop <laughs> was that I'd go to a church and say, it's so good to be here at St. Swithens, And they say, we're not St. Swithin's, we're St. Andrew's. I say oh, okay. It was always, but, um, I I have a feeling that churches like St. Martin's are going to be communities of communities of communities, and connections to communities of faith that may or may not be obviously connected to the mother church, if you will. Um, you see what I mean? I think that's going. I think that's gonna be what the Episcopal Church is going to look like in the next fifty years. It's going to be small communities that gather. It's it. it like that little church in Iowa, like that little church in Colorado, um, small communities. I think that, what does Episcopal leadership look like for that? That's what, where I think Episcopate, where the Episcopate um, is going. It's not new, believe it or not. It is what Episcopal leadership was in the second century. We are actually being pushed back to our Context very similar to our origins, and I think to be a bishop in the days ahead will be not a prince of the church or a princess of it, but what Desmond Tutu was talking about. It was a con- it was the consecration sermon. It was Nathan Baxter. I just it's coming back. It was central Pennsylvania. I was Bishop of North Carolina at the time. That's where it was. It was in central Pennsylvania. It was at Nathan Baxter's consecration. I think that's what bishops are going to look like. Pastors who get dirty Hmm. because they've been in the world and helping the church to be in the world and to bear witness to Jesus there. And that's, now that has always been Episcopal leadership at its best in some way but I think it's going to be more so. And I just think that that's going to be less, um, you're going to always be guardian of the church's faith and discipline. And that's, that's, that's who we are. You're going to ordain clergy and you know uh, support clergy. I mean, it, it, you're going to be doing all of that. But I think bishops are going to be in the streets, if you will. When I say in this, I use that metaphorically. In the streets, where clergy and people, where we are, where, where God's children are, and where the world suffers. And that's going to, that will take us back to what a bishop looked like in the second and third century of Christian history. And that's a good thing, but we haven't been there for a while. And where you see little, and look, to give you a little intimation of it, once upon a time when I was younger, um, when bishops walked in procession, someone carried their crozier, their staff. That that was just sort of the norm. The chaplain carried the, the staff. Now that shifted as a matter of liturgical reform. I'm not sure anybody thought about it as being any. And they stopped, it stopped being carried. That wasn't, you're not a prince. You're not a princess. <laughs> you're a shepherd. You walk with that staff. <laughs> now that liturgical change, I think, and without even consciously being aware of it on the part of the liturgist, I suspect that shift is the shift that is going to be real. It's going to be the sh- the good shepherds that Desmond Tutu was talking about. Extroverts think out loud. And I just did that on you. Now,
0: I- <laughs> Well, it, it reminds me of a, a funny story from when I was in North Carolina with you. We were... Uh-huh. Doing the funeral for Chaplain Bob at Wake Forest. Oh yeah, yeah. And I got appointed your bishop's chaplain, so I got to hold your hat and hold your staff. Uh And you know, I was all of like twenty-one years old and shaking at the knees. And uh, you know, it was like holding the stick, and it's it's rattling, and you kind of leaned over. You were like, "I'm not dead yet. Turn it the other way." Oh yeah.
1: Yes, please turn it. That's how I
0: learned about that.
1: <laughs> oh yeah.
0: So for for those of you uh, listening at home, you know the bishop's crozier has a hook on it, like a like a shepherd <laughs> hook, and um, if you point it, you know pointy end out. That's that's what you do when you're doing a bishop's funeral. Um, yeah, <laughs> the bishop carries it kind of rounded end first because you're you're going out into the. <laughs> yeah is it, I'm still so, here no 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 turn it around yeah turn, it turn around, around. <laughs> but you know I, we joke I've, I've always wondered this as presiding bishop you know a lot of your work is kind of that 815 New York work it's very high level it's going and doing the sermon at a royal wedding it's writing these books, it's doing this kind of high level church work. Mm. And I wonder what it's been like for you in the last several years to smell like your sheep, so to speak.
1: Mm.
2: That smells pretty normal. You know, it really does. I mean, that, that's, you know, cause I mean, the truth is um, I'm a parish priest at heart. I mean, I didn't go to seminary to become a Rosadic Bishop. I mean, that, that wasn't, I hadn't thought about it. Um, I went to seminary to be a priest. I mean, at the end and to be a parish priest, that, that's where, and, um, and at my gut, I think I still am at root. I can't, there are a number of times when I'm in meetings, um, wide meetings. I'm in those kinds of contexts where I either will say aloud or I'll think it. Um, people, this discussion is nice, but it has no connection to where the church actually lives. Um, it's 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 it's. If it's not connected to that, why are we having that this conversation here? If this does not help the people of God do God's work where we are, where they are, then this is a nice ethereal conversation, but. Well, it's kind of like, uh, who's a Duke Ellington it don't mean a thing if they ain't got that swing, you know? I mean, it, it's just that, and so that's the, other the parish, which
0: is it. I said that's the other gospel.
2: That's the other gospel, right? Exactly, and and so that keeps that. I think that Michael, the parish priest, keeps me rooted. Um, I mean, rooted. I mean, it's yeah that that and that never goes away. Um, and, um, you know, and so I, I do see a lot of, um, more of my time and this has evolved over time. Yeah, you know, now we're, we've got to do a general convention, uh, you know, this year it was supposed to be last year, but, um, th- th- this year. Um, and, and so, you know, we'll be involved in, in you know, church governance and that kind of work, which is very important to do that and keep that going and keep that going in, in healthy ways. Um. But that's not what I spent the, most of the nine years doing. Most of the nine years I've I've actually spent um, with the little church in Colorado, or with—I mean, not, I haven't literally been with them, but but with the normal church folk, um, which is wonderful. Which is in this country and around the globe, um, around the world, uh, and that's that's real. Mm-hmm. Th- that's where life gets real, and then. Then helping to make the connections, to connect one with the other. That's the presiding bishop really is the church's ambassador and cheerleader.
0: That's really what it is. fun.
2: Yeah, that's really what it is. And it's okay. This is a good old church. You You know, it's, I tell folk all the time, look, it's not perfect. We don't always get it right. Uh, but last time I checked the only perfect one we call God and I am pretty, I know that I'm not God, and I know that you're not God. We're made in God's image, but we are not God. <laughs> um, uh, there is only one God. And so we don't have to pretend to be, which is quite liberating. <laughs> it allows us to be free to be the me and the you that God made us to be.
1: You've mentioned them a couple of times. Um, I got to listen to Desmond Tutu and spend the day with him uh, right before his daughter's ordination. Uh-huh um and uh one i want to say sorry for the loss of your friend uh he was is a neat man um one of the things that you two both have in common that i find inspiring and really beautiful is your joy in ministry oh and he was he was i see it in you even now laughing about just thinking about that joy in ministry And, and i just as our time comes to an end, I want to thank you for sharing that joy. It really is oh. one of the most inspiring things. Thank you for that.
2: Well, you know, it's... You know... It, but he and 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 his, his buddy, the Dalai Lama... Um, <laughs> I mean, you talk about a friendship. Dear God. I mean, and they... I mean you think about both of them have endured some just unendurable you know in their lives mm-hmm. and and yet there's a deeper there is a joy um and I'm not sure it's the same as a happiness I'm not sure but I mean, that's more philosophical I don't know but it, there's a joy that um, that really is there um I mean, I think Tutu would, would say that it, it, it's rooted in, in, in his, it's just love for his savior and knowing that there's a good God where that's my grandma, that's, that's not Tutu, that's my grandma talking now, but, but knowing that there's a good God no matter what. And I remember when I was in, I was in seminary, um, um, and uh, kind of like Caitlyn was when I went up to, I saw her when she was up at, at Yale at some point. And I don't <laughs> remember when it was, but it was at some I point. That was
0: very early on.
2: That was early on, yeah. yeah. And I was about that, I probably was about at that stage. Um, and I went um, to see her and she and her her best friend wanted to go grocery shopping or something. They wanted to go somewhere. So, So I got both of them in the car. And I mean, these are like two women in their late 80s. And in those days, grandparents, I mean, I'm a grandparent, but grandparents, it's like they had a university for grandparents because they all looked like they were old. They all had canes and all <laughs> that kind of, you know what I mean? It's like they all yep. had the same school uniform. You know, It was that uh, now you can't tell how old people are at all. You just can't tell. But uh, but back then you could. And they both of them, you know, had canes. And uh, anyway, so I, I picked them both up in the car and and couldn't there was no way I could park without us having to cross the the large street. We had to cross the street to get to the, the way they wanted to go. To. So anyway, so I parked the car, get the two of them out, and had one on one arm, one on the other, and they're both in their canes, and we're crossing the street. And it was one of these streets with a dividing thing in the middle, a boulevard with a dividing thing in the middle, so we get there, and and they had to step up on the curb and, the, and then walk a little bit. And then when the light changed and stepped down and then we had to cross again. And so they finally, we got to the other side. Finally, it was, you know, like the Hebrews leaving Egypt, finally get out of Egypt. Um, And they, uh you know, stepped up on the curve. And um I don't remember which one of it was that said to the other one, they stepped up when they both got up on the curve and one said to the other, oh, we got us a good God, do to see the goodness of God in a step, to be able to step up on a curve. That is to have a joy that this world does not give you. That's coming from somewhere else. And, you know, I'm just amazed. It's just a wonder when I think of that um, in them. And I just hope, hope I can leave some of that, um, um, with us in this world, no matter what the hardships may be, um, like Paul says in Philippians, um, I've learned how to be abased and I have learned how to abound, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you know what? It's true. Well, thank you.
0: So much for being here. And before we close, I promised the good people of weird Anglican Twitter that I would ask you this question. So this is a question from the audience, so to speak. Um
1: I'm sitting back. Oh gosh.
0: Know? I'm getting nervous now.
2: <laughs> Let me take another <laughs> swig of my coffee. Yes.
0: <laughs> when when you go to the grocery store, what mayonnaise do you buy?
2: Oh. Well, being here in North Carolina, Duke, of course. It's, dukes. it's gotta be dukes. All but right. if you really want to know the real truth, which one's the cheapest and which is the straight? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? To this day, I don't know what the difference is between mayonnaise and um, what's the other um, aioli. Oh, uh, miracle, well, miracle! Yeah, whip Satan. So yeah, I mean, is and, and I'm sure there's a difference, but I. When I put them on a sandwich, I don't know, do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you for humoring us. The, uh, the people of the internet will be delighted. Oh, absolutely. You
2: guys are wonderful. Well, uh, Mitch and Caitlin, it's, it's just great to be with y'all and reconnect with Caitlin and um, get to meet Mitch, at least this
1: way. And I'll see y'all in person in two weeks. But, yep. We look yeah. forward to seeing you and just thank you again for your time and thank you for a beautiful ministry. That has no. shown clergy from multiple generations how to how, how to be more loving, how to be more compassionate, how to be more joyful. Thank you for what you have done to the for the church, because your impact, I believe, will be looked back on as as one of the you've had one of the most impactful times as a presiding bishop, mm. our country and church has seen. And so, thank you for everything you've done.
0: As a baby priest, I can definitely say thank you for that.
2: Thank you all. God love you both and God bless you because I must decrease. You must increase. You must increase. So keep blessing, keep blessing us, keep blessing us. I never forget when I was ordained a bishop in North Carolina. And um, and it, it wasn't the tradition in the diocese there, but um, one of the bishops um, was a more, of the more Anglo-Catholic man.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and um, as I was getting ready to come out, you know, you're kind of learning how to walk with the staff in one hand. And which is really a trick. It's a, it's a skill. It's, a, it's an art form uh, to hold a hymnal in one hand, keep the hat on and have the <laughs> stick in the other hand. It takes, uh, you know, it's a a juggling act, but it's a bishop skill. It's acquired. But anyway, so so I was walking out and I didn't have the hymnal, but so I had one hand free. And uh, this older bishop leaned over. He said, why don't you bless the people as you leave? And I said, bless them? He said, go down the aisle and just bless the people. And I've never forgotten that for every one of us, whether a bishop, or a priest, or a deacon, or better yet, the baptized people of God, maybe our task is to bless the world as we live in it and when we leave it. So the two of you in St. Martin's,
1: keep blessing. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. This has been a great conversation.
0: It's thank been you. a lot of fun. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, this has been fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, uh, we're going to say goodbye. This will be the point where we, we gotta- you know, drop in our little <laughs> canned closing. Oh, yeah, that's right. You take the mic and just drop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> thank so, you, sir. Take
2: care. God bless you both. And see you in two weeks.
0: This is a podcast of St. Martin's in the Fields in Columbia, South Carolina. us a visit here on campus. Come worship with us on Sundays or visit us online at SMIFSC.com. Be sure to like, review and subscribe to this podcast on your podcast channels and leave a comment. Let us know if you like this episode. If you like this format, we want to hear from you. Let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.